and welcome back to the Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Mr. Ben Bateman. What's up, guys? We're back. It's been a little while, actually. It's nice to see you. Alex, it is good to see you. I'm excited to talk about a little bit Magic the Gathering. There's some good stuff. Masters of Modern, cast. What? I was going to say, what in the heck has happened since the last time we did a show? Yeah, I feel like so yeah. much has happened. I know. I was going to say, we're more like the MMM cast, the mm cast. Yeah, there you the go. The monthly Masters of Modern cast uh, versus the, the weekly one. The it's been some time. It's been some time uh, <laughs> since the last time we did the show. You and I have both been to Magic Con Vegas. The True. I guess the technically second Magic Con Vegas, even though it's like the fifth Magic the Gathering convention in Vegas in the last several years or sixth maybe. But that was a lot of fun. It was a great time. This uh, is the first really... Magic Con Vegas. The last one was oh, Magic was Thirty. Magic the year 30. before that it was Magic the Gathering by Channel Fireball, unaffiliated with Wizards of the Coast, and the year before that was COVID. Agreed. There have been several or many of Magic the Gathering uh, events in Vegas, but this was the first MagicCon in Vegas. So um, that was awesome. And obviously, since the last time we did a show, they've previewed at least one new set. There's some Doctor Who stuff being previewed that probably by the time you guys watch this will be a little more publicly previewed because I think the set actually officially drops this weekend. So by the time you hear this, the whole set is out visually, but owning it is not possible till sure Monday. yep yep the third um but yes it is uh it, it is great to be here to talk to you guys about uh many in things in the magic and modern world and i think we actually have a pretty fun topic today i feel like one that you and i have been talking about kind of off mic for a little while now that seems like it's probably appropriate to finally kind of bring up yeah so so you know it Tournament magic <laughs> is kind of the conversation at large. Now, there's a few things I want to touch upon it. Um, and it's somewhat, it's related, they're both related to the same issue. Uh, in relationship to, like, why, right now there's kind of a conversation, I think, at hand on, like, the value of magic cards and what is driving that value and what are the entry points people get to play in and opening packs? How does that feel? What does that look like? Where is that value being oriented? And some of that comes down to the fact that like, you know, uh, there's a lot of different ways being cards are being printed. A lot of cards are being printed. Reprint, reprint equity is a little wonky due to the fact that there are so many reprint sets. There are so many cool card sheets and sets that are reprint sheets. There's secret layers. There's master sets um at the same time there's so much new sets every year that just keeping track of what cards are good from the last set is really hard um but at the same time standard is its least played it's ever been in the history of magic modern pioneer do pioneer doing the best it's ever done still bad compared to any numbers that would have happened before covid modern doing not as well um and at the same time, like CDH is popping off and, and, and Commander yeah. continues to be the main focus. And like what what can be done in different ways to make all of these formats more exciting? Um, specifically, I want to focus on standard and modern. Pioneer to me, I think, would follow the trends of the other two and is actually doing very well and is more to do with just tournament magic not being supported in a wide widespread way. The way to get Legacy to be popular is to get rid of the reserve list. <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in quickly here and say that I think the the one the one determining factor as we kind of enter this conversation that's very important to notice note note is that there are two things. Number one, if the most prominent magic format is Commander, 
And obviously, as an offshoot of that format, you mentioned a second ago CDH, which I think everybody that listens to this knows. But just in case you don't, CDH is essentially the competitive version of it where it's playing at the highest level of competition. So deck lists are tighter. Uh, competition is tighter. You're kind of expected to play the best cards, um, which means that similar to net decking in any format, whether standard or modern, there's a list of cards that is more necessary. So the difference, I think, between standard modern any of the 4x formats and commander is that obviously if a card gets hot you need one of it versus four of it right like that's the that's the biggest quickest difference in the days of standard or modern like if a dual land uh not dual but like a multi-land of some variety got popular in standard and you had to have four of it and the adjacent versions of different colors that drove sort of the secondary economy in a way that was different than I think what we're dealing with right now. And I think also outside of competitive EDH, just regular EDH uh, commander. I went to the store earlier tonight before recording this and played one game, right? You sit down with a random group of people to play a game. There is a level of like people play their cards and you recognize that a lot of them have never bought a draft booster pack to draft. They've never opened a pack. They've never had the experience of I am buying this retail product with the sort of risk of what I open might not be what I want to open. They have bought commander decks and in many cases, singles from their LGS or online. And so I think what comes from that is a different expectation of value. You talked about the, the value of magic cards. I think there are a whole number of factors that we can sort of talk about and address. But the biggest one is just that the dominant format is a format where players want to buy cards, put them in their decks, and have them maintain the value because they didn't buy them with any chance. They didn't accidentally open the card they wanted from a booster pack. That wasn't how they did it. Um, that's what Commander has sort of caused. And I think that is a major difference in the experience of players from, say, eight years ago, seven, five, three years ago compared to now. I think it goes in, in different ways, right? Like with Commander, if you open a pack, you could play with every card in the pack that you open in a Commander deck, sure. right? Not the same Commander deck unless you're playing five color, but like it's it it is easier to make an argument in Commander to add one card that's a pet card that you and, and or if you're a new player, it's very easy to be like, oh, I opened this really cool rare, I'm going to put it in my pre-con Commander deck. I, I I think there's a level of I I think two two things are fighting against card value to me uh, or three things three things one is like in new sets high profile reprints or serialized cards that are absorbing the value and moving that value into more of a lottery uh esque experience right so like for march of machines all of the value in march of the machines exists in the serialized cards Right. Sure. Like no other almost no other cards in the set are worth very much. And it's because people are able to open up boxes with the in cases with the goal of opening one of the serialized cards that will be the value that the majority of the box they opened is built into. And then I say this as a person who has purchased serialized cards as, in the secondary market twice because I loved them and wanted a cool, unique version butterfly just for me version of the card. Or 20 Obosh, man. Just <laughs> 
I think shield cards are a mistake. I, I would I would just not have them in the game anymore. I think that uh, I think I think stuff like the One Ring is fine, but I think like the version of it that was in Brothers War and it was in March Machines was a mistake, uh, or is is not the best. And on the opposite end of that, you have stuff like or not the opposite of, but in a similar sense, you have stuff like the fact that in uh, Strixhaven packs, the thing you're actually trying to open is a altar art uh, demonic tutor. Right. Or, or yeah. yeah, like there's, there's unique special versions of things, um, which those I like more because uh, it, it doesn't eat, eat all of the value. It adds a little bit of a wider value in those. Like I like a mystical archive sheet a lot more than I like a serialized sheet. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think your, your comment is necessary. I think it's the thing that stands out to me again is like magic is reacting to the not serialization, but the collectability of other card games. I think that Magic is trying to do its best to provide the same play experience for its consumers that other games do while also staying true to what it has done historically. And that's where I think a lot of these things come from. So if you look at the history, we've had a number of different things. If, if the first one is the introduction of collector boosters, back in 2019 was the first one. Uh, before that, actually, we had you know masterpieces into... Uh, not masterpieces, the first ones, expeditions into masterpieces, right? That was like the initial ones they did. Collector boosters in 2019. And then when we started doing serialized, which then of course we went into mystical archive, you mentioned it. And then finally the one of one card, which sort of had the elven and dwarven rings and all that. So there's all these different versions they've introduced. They've, they've experimented with a lot of that stuff. And I think my opinion is that as a consumer, if we got some of that stuff some of the time, I'd actually be pretty good with it. I think the issue right now is that it, there's a feeling of it has to be at least one or more of those things every time. And because there's so much product being released, it makes every product have this feeling of, well, if I just buy it like a regular ass consumer, probably will get something that's not worth much. And it compromises the integrity of the consumer, the casual consumer, right? Like the guy that buys is a case of consu- of collector boosters. That's a different guy. The guy that goes to the store and is just like, I want to buy five packs. I'll buy five packs and open them and just like, see what I get. I think the more times you introduce the more of the things you're talking about, especially multiples in the same set, right? Like an alternate sheet combined also with serialized, the more that person's experience is like, I opened something that just like, wasn't worth anything like i didn't the store was like I, why yeah, would i, I keep opening anything things yeah. yeah why would i bother buying packs at that point and, and and like you bring up expeditions and like my complaint not my complaint my advice to wizards random guy <laughs> with a podcast on expeditions at the time was the problem with expeditions where they were doing too many of them not in the sense that they did too many of them in a row, but in the sense that they did they picked too many cards per set of oh, expeditions. Sure, yeah, yeah. Like if the first run of expeditions was just fetch lands and the second run of expeditions was just shock lands, and that was it, they would have been just as special, maybe a little bit less expensive, but just as sick. And the repoint equity on future expeditions, you could have then gone to Ixalan, and in Ixalan you could have done filter lands, and you can go to the next. Like you, you the like the amount of times you could have gone back to that mine was is much higher if you're not printing fifty of the best lands ever printed in two sets. And now all the cards of those sets are worth nothing, 
the cool cards from that set are like a library of things that only a few of them are actually extra exciting. Then you go to, you know, Cal, 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 Kaladesh and same deal. Like if you had done the top 10 best artifacts as expeditions in one set and the next 10 in the next one, and you didn't have, and, and or maybe the 10 and then five from that set, right? Like the gear hulks are a great thing to be in an expedition. The battle lands are a totally fine expedition yeah, card, yeah. right? They're, they're like, like the five premium versions of the cards that are new and then 10 reprints that are, that are, that are fetch lands. And then you can come back later and do the next 10 iconic lands you're missing. So that was what I wanted, right? And that's what I think would have allowed Expeditions to survive longer. But Expeditions caused the same problem, right? Like one of the problems people had with Battle for Zendikar and Oath of the Gatewatch and Amonkhet even now is there are no cards from those sets that are worth anything that aren't an Expedition because you the Expeditions ate all the value of those back boxes. So, But then Wizards decided to go the opposite direction, right? They're like, no, 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 no. We're going to take an entire sheet. We're going to put like a hundred of the most iconic cards into this set and they'll be less rare in the set, right? And then the weight will be put on more of the mythics. But yeah, to me, the one benefit of the mystical archive sheets that I really love, that is the thing of all of these things that I like the most, is there's the weight of the value is heavier towards the top, which is good, right? Like like getting Mox Amber feels really great, but you don't need every one of those cards to be good. But at the same time, all of them are iconic. And all of them are really cool to play with in Limited. Getting to play with, like, Obosh or a Companion in Martian Machines Draft. Companion is a really cool Limited mechanic that's bad for other formats, but really cool in Limited. Getting to play with that in Martian Machines is really cool. So that's the first thing. The second one, and it's kind of the more important one I think I want to talk about. The second one, I guess, and the second and third one are the actual things I want to talk about today's episode. Like that, that, that whole, this whole conversation was the easy part. The one thing I will point out before we jump into this next thing is uh, you should follow our Patreon. Uh, Check out our Patreon. You get early content every episode. You should also check out our sponsors, TCG Player through Channel Fireball. You can check a link out below for our affiliate code to go buy a product that you would buy anyways. Just they, it makes it it actually makes a difference, guys. It actually. Legitimately makes a difference. So please do yeah, make sure to out. check uh, me and Ben out both on TikTok. Uh, me through my personal TikTok at Kess Wiley, making magic content, One Piece content, a bunch of content in between. Make sure to check out Ben on the official Masters of Modern TikTok account. All the heavy lifting, just at the MM podcast. I just yeah. like if you guys go, you can see all kinds of fun stuff there. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and last but not least in the shout outs, uh, we have released two board games at uh, the game company that I own and Ben is a part of. One for the hit anime Spy X family, uh, where it's a cool crime. It's fifteen dollars. You can buy Barnes Noble right now. Uh, and then also a game called Murder We Wrote, which is like a true crime podcast party game at uh, your paper sources, your Barnes and Nobles, your Books a Million, your and 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 additional places that I'm not remembering off the top of my head. <laughs> oh, oh, and Five Below. You can buy a, a travel edition uh, for a little bit more of a uh, buy and go version at Five Below as well. So make sure to check out those out. We're really excited. They're launching and they're really great games, and I highly recommend checking them out. Uh, the thing I was actually going to bring out, and then when I was looking at this other website about to talk about another website, I was like, I should shout out the important advertising websites, is ntgdonglare.com, which has this really cool sheet that I've shared with Ben that has every magic release uh, ever printed, every product, like sealed product, and what the average value you can expect by opening that product would be. So Holy smokes. Yeah, it's cool, right? <laughs> it's where cool. Other than the fact that when you look at it, you notice that like Innistrad, original Innistrad right now, the average pack 
that you open. The average box you would open is less than seventy dollars for six. Where did you product. share that? Uh, into the chat in this app. I did. I do not see anything in the chat in this app. Yeah. See under my name. Oh, you refreshed. You refreshed before we started. There you go. Now you have it. There it's back. It's back. Do you want to re-record? Oh my god. Oh my no. god. I'm so just like. Oh my god, Alpha, Alpha edition, one hundred ninety-four thousand. Come on now, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. So, like, fun fun facts is like Alpha yeah, edition yeah, opening just, up a box. Just, just reintroduce the whole thing. It was like no, 30 no. Seconds. I don't. I like went through stuff already. I, I we just cut out the part where Ben didn't know where the link was. No, just um, reintroduce it so I can respond. Come on, it was like thirty seconds. No, no. I had like a whole rant that we just went through. You did not go on a rant. It was like forty-five like seconds. I have it in front of me now. Let's just move yeah. on with our lives. You like, like respond now. Rick, put the whole thing just now in the in the show. Just all of it. This should all exist. Don't delete anything. I want to be able to look at this. I can't even look at it. You're just being look at it right. Alpha opening a box of Alpha, uh, you'll make two hundred twenty four thousand dollars. Whatever, whatever. Yeah, okay. How much do you think a box of Alpha costs? I think if you actually got a sealed box of Alpha, if that even existed, that someone could find, I would guess it was like at least fifty thousand cash. I want to say it could be a million dollars. For alpha, like there's a like arguably there is a grade ten. I guess how much is a black lotus grade ten alpha card? Yeah, I mean two two million. No, no, that was the not two million. That was the that was the sign by Jeffrey Rush, who's passed uh, oh, artist. Maybe, maybe it's one. Well, maybe it's like one four, but I think it's yeah, like yeah, high. Yeah. It's, it's, it's high, like, right? So like that, the one way to get it is like that box is the highest chance you have of opening up a black Lotus grade 10. Right. So like, might be, yeah, could, could be a million. I mean, yeah, more than 50,000. I guess you're right. You're right. Actually, I'm crazy. Why did I say that? At least <laughs> like a couple hundred thousand minimum. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so the thing, the thing that like, I, I wanted to bring this thing up and there's a link below to this website is, is like the, there is an era of sets that previously through through like Snapcaster Mages or Liliana's the Veil or very valuable cards has been expensive, like worth opening, right? Not worth opening, but good. But like now, if you look at it, like Innistrad's is 70 bucks. Dark Ascension is $25 as the average value. The all of Guilds of Ravnica is like under 70. Dominaria is under 70. Uh Amonkhet is under 80. <laughs> um like so it's it's a it's a wild thing to look at which is fascinating that like all of this old era sealed product is just terrible value to open and i don't think that was always very true and you can see hovering over them they even have timeline graphs where a lot of these sets showing like what they were in previous moments um they don't go very far back in the sheet but i think if you click on them you can get a water water date run but this is kind of the conversation on like what is what we're talking about. And and then, and so the, the other two thing is like, why do these card values have gone down? And, and just as a caveat, I guess not arguing that this is necessarily a bad thing for the average player. Cause it's weird. It's weird. But the next two statements I think are the first one is that a lot of these cards have just been outclassed, but through yeah. power creep. And this is what's affecting. I think of the two conversations, this is what's affecting modern the most. Like, Tarmogoyf is just not a good card anymore. But yep. like I would say that the who's who of best cards in modern from five years ago, almost none of them are playable in modern anymore. 
right? Like Snapcaster Sage, she's some play. Liliana Vadil, unplayable. Dark Confidant, unplayable. Like, and this is like obviously some boomery takes, right? But part of the problem that is really kind of speaking towards is all these cards are like 60 bucks to a hundred dollars, and now all of them are under 20, if not lower. And, and if you look at if you look at the if you literally look at like what were the chase cards in modern masters 2015 17 ultimate masters like go look at those sets what's there is useless i mean like it's and it's mostly because the cards have gone down in value not like dollars but like playability so much i mean like you 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 can look at the sets and like what could you have opened in the box topper for ultimate masters it was like Liliana, Tarmogoyf, right? Like, like, like these are the cards that you were hoping to open. I mean, that that that's the big issue. I think I think playability has moved in a way that has invalidated these early master sets. Actually, to the point that it, I think it's funny, the old masters and like whatever twenty fives, like any whatever you want to call them, they're worth so much less on the secondary market because. The cards aren't good, <laughs> not because like the cards you can open are worth something. It's like the playability of the cards is bad. Mm-hmm. Like that's what's changed because the formats have changed. And and like that's not necessarily bad. Like things will rotate new cards will be printed, but it's, it's, it, it was kind of the forced rotation from the fact that a lot of the value now is specifically from modern horizons, one modern horizons two, and now Lord of the Rings, right? Like the play a modern deck, the most of the money you're going to be spending to play modern are either fetch lands from, uh, from the, the eye color fetch lands. And then the elementals ran six force of negation, uh, mythics, mythics and chase rares from Ragavan, from the, la- the the modern horizon sets and that i think is a little bit of like what's negatively affecting some other formats even up to standard and pioneer where it's like oh the cards that i'm buying in standard don't have value as they rotate out of standard and and, and into pioneer because pioneer isn't popular enough to start driving the traffic on card increase prices and then standard cards no one's playing standard so why are these valuable, right? Like that, that one of the things I think that's hurting value in a random pack that you open is that the home for these cards is rarer to find a place. Now that's not always true. I mean, Shieldred exists, um, but there is a level of like, oh, so much of the Eternal Format's power levels are like centralized on these three premium priced sets that they release that they release every two years. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the redistribution sort of of the quality of what you can get in in what you're opening has been very significant, and I think like if you got, kind of compare that to what was available two years ago to now, and you also ask the question of like what products are being released now, and like how can we contest that? It's it's a very different experience. I mean, I feel like I feel like um, the sort of idea of what you open in a magic product right now is extremely different than it used to be. I feel like the question is like, if you open a magic product today, like just as a regular person who buys a product at a store, do you expect you'll open something that like makes you happy or exciting to you? Or do you feel like you're expecting to not open your value? 
And I guess, I guess that's the real question as we go forward. Like, what are you hoping to open in a magic pack or product now as a consumer? And there's always the, the, the audible, like, don't open packs, right? Like, the, that that should always be... Yeah, uh, I, like, I want children. Like, I would like to open children in every pack, right? Like, yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. Well, and, and so, so yeah, I, I think... And then this kind of brings me to the first of two hot take things that I think should happen. Um, and I think there's a way to go about it. Uh, and Magic the Gathering Online, uh, Twitter account slash X account liked my tweet and followed me after tweeting it, so they might agree. Um, I think Wizards should just mass unban cards. I think if they're not going to ban Bowmaster and they're not going to ban the One Ring and they're not going to ban, uh, which I don't think they should necessarily, and they're not going to ban Fury and they're not going to ban uh, Grief. Grief. And there's maybe an argument for one of those cards to be banned. I'm not really advocating for bannings at the moment. What I am advocating for is mass unbannings. Just like let loose for the 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 gates. And I don't like there are some cards that I think in the long run will be rebanned. Uh, and that's why my, my like solution for how to see what this looks like it, it will exist in a second, which brings Moto in, in. But just like let's see what modern looks like. With all of these powerful cards, with Grief tearing apart opponent's hands at the beginning, with Fury eating every creature that's ever been printed that has the card, el- the, the creature type Elf, with, uh, you know, uh, Solitude eating anything you have, with Force of Vigor being able to stop any artifact that anyone's ever played. <coughs> like, let's put Splinter Twin into play. Let's put Birthing Pot into play. Let's put the artifacts into play. Let's bring Faithless Looting back. Let's put Mox Opal back. Let, let's just, like, unban Golgari Grave Troll. Like, there are maybe a who's who's of things that, like, will need to get banned immediately afterward, but they've run no ban list modern. And to be honest, the cards that are most problematic are Oko <laughs> and Mental Misstep. And so, like, I don't know. Like, there's, like, so much of the format that has been heavily over, not overpowered, but heavily increased in power level are answers and removal spells that have locked out a lot of different play styles. I think it would be totally fine to see what all these cards do. So the proposition is Magic the Gathering Online for the month of December, just uh, like a Magic Arena for the month of November, run no modern ban list events and make them like you pay to access the event with your deck. You don't have to own the cards. Have it be like, because that, that way you don't deal with the fact that cards are being banned. This won't be happening. Just let people like do phantom events where there's minimal prize support, but you get to try these decks out. And maybe ban a few, like do the, the what, because the historic, for instance, has channel banned, uh, is how it's working on Arena for the historic sure. version of this. Uh, like ban Mental Misstep, ban Oko. Everyone knows Oko is a problem. There's no format, like Oko is banned, like banned in Legacy, restrict, you know, like don't, don't have that card legal. But like most of the cards, I would try it. I would see what that looks like. I think that format sounds really sick and like closer to what Legacy is in a way that makes it good to me. And am willing to see like what does and doesn't work. And in the end, do what you did with Pioneer, maybe like through that period, start like baiting things slowly that seem to be problematic for this cool month of fun. Be active about it to try and whittle the format to something that's really cool. And then if it works and is fun for people, just unban, just unban, just unban those cards that are good. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think there is a restriction. You have to sort of decide what direction you want to go, right? Like, are you going to unban cards that are sort of problematic that you can 
use index, or if you're not going to do that, then how can you find a way to encourage the cards that are easily accessible that are like technically illegal? And I think that like with what you're saying, there is a conversation about that, that like, it's not like we're talking about putting, you know, black Lotus into modern. That's not what we're saying, right? Like it's not, it's not like we're, these were standard legal cards that are modern legal or a modern legal at one point that, right now look very silly on the ban list to to me or are adjacent to Zilly, but create cool, fun, unique, different strategies that are currently unviable in the format that like a thing to me that modern is missing. Cause it is a very fun format in a lot of ways, other than the fact that grief is not exactly a great play pattern. Um, it, the format is missing the feeling of nostalgia that I think is important for modern's identity beyond it just being modern horizons limited uh, block sets and a place of power that is available to wizards and to players of powerful nostalgia that could compete with modern horizons level cards is sitting there in the ban list. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I think that what you're saying is that, you know, obviously there's some feel bads that go along with some of the interactions that exist currently but I guess the question is like, if you were to open those floodgates, just like everything and anything that exists, what does it look like? And I feel like from my money, from from my perspective, I don't know that a full 100% complete is good. There See, are cards that I think for sure are good, but well, like... That's not what I'm advocating for. I'm advocating for like, Moto. You don't, want, you don't want like no banless modern. That's no, I want to try it, right? I want I want Moto to try it on their their app where everyone gets to try it for free. Like you don't need to own the cards, right? You just like sure. That. I, I don't know what the economy of Moto is for cards like this, but like you let people play these decks on Moto for inexpensive amounts of dollars, uh, and if they through that data we learn what are the problem cards right like that's an environment where you can get thousands of games in a day of a format that currently doesn't exist and doing it anywhere else would have significant impact on people's financial like commitment to formats to get the data to be like oh yes every deck played four mental missteps let's ban that let's 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 ban that in the moment let's ban that in the i mean obviously right do, do the do the pioneer onset banning model of like spend a month with people jamming game on moto in a fun meant to be casual in the same way that like unglued and or unstable was legal in commander for december when unstable came out but that's interesting data to then say okay this format ended up being really fun when you remove the five problem cards right maybe dread return oko mental misstep and mox diamond are problematic but like Gta, uh, glimpse of nature, Golgari grave troll, like all those cards were fine. Um, you know, I think there's a cool version of the universe that looks that way. And if we try it out, and it's fun, like you could unban twelve cards. That's what I'm advocating for. Is not un- no banless modern, just ban twelve cards, unban twelve cards from the modern ban list because I think indoor. 17 cards because I'm, I'm counting all the artifact lands as one card. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, so, so, okay. For those that are listening who are like parsing all of this opinion, 
is there a list of cards that you think specifically could be unbanned in that situation? Like comment below. Comment below. You're asking okay. me to make my list because I I feel like that's a whole episode. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. I think I think the list of cards I would keep. All right here, I'll just do it. Uh, modern ban list. Let's uh, do this. This is like I like I like wanted some Alex Kessler hot takes. Like we're getting one. Getting right them. Now. Unban ancient den. Uh, keep Arkham's Astrolabe banned. Unban birthing pod. Unban blazing stroll. Unban bridge from below. To be honest, unban chrome blocks. Uh, unbad cloud post. Keep dark depths banned because apparently in no banless modern tournaments, they're just dark depths decks. They're like the main thing that does well in those tournaments. Unban deathrite shaman. Unbanned dig through time. Uh, keep dry return banned. Um, keep eye of Ugin banned. Maybe debatable. I would try it out and then ban it. Sure. Uh, unbanned faithless looting. Un uh, keep field of the dead banned. Uh, unbanned Gitaxian probe. Unbanned glimpse of nature. Unbanned Golgari grave troll. Unbanned great furnace. Unbanned green sun zenith. Keep hogak banned. Unban Hypergenesis. I don't think Hypergenesis is that much powerful than the other Cascade decks. I think there's maybe an argument to keep Hypergenesis banned, but your deck is worse for playing. Like, Emrakul being in your deck in that deck is worse than what they're doing now. Uh, keep Clark Clan Ironworks banned because of the, the fact that it affects the like the way the rules of the game work. Keep Luris banned. Uh, keep Mental Mist Up banned. Unban Mox Opal. Uh, keep Mycosynthletics banned. Keep Mystic Sanctuary banned. Keep Oko banned. Keep once upon a time banned, unbanned ponder, unbanned punishing fire, unbanned right of flame, unbanned seed of cyanide. Keep second sunrise banned, unbanned seething song. Keep the uh, keep top banned. I'm unbanning other free mana, so you could probably unban Simeon Spirit Guide. I would be fine there. Uh, keep skull clamp banned, unbanned splutter twin. Actually, honestly, unbanned skull clamp. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Nice. Unbanned splutter twin. Keep Summer Bloom banned. Unbanned Summer Bloom. Yeah, unbanned Summer Bloom. Uh, yes. Keep Tibble Trickery banned because I think that's like a rules thing that it's banned for, if I remember correctly. Keep Treasure Cruise banned. Unbanned Tree of Tales. Unbanned Umbazawa's Jite. Unbanned Vault of Whispers. And you can convince me to unban Uro of Titan of the Wrath, but you have to keep your eye unbanned. Holy smokes. I mean, like, I'm, I'm saying unbanned like 25 cards. Uh, there's 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 a there's a pretty good list there that I'm impressed by. I like I the, the, things that I, the things that I said that I would maybe be convinced that are wrong are all the fast mana. You can convince me that Mox Opal, Chromox, and Simeon Spear Guide should stay banned. Fine. Uh, you can convince me that Uro Times the Nature Wrath could probably be banned still. It was a recent unban. It was a recent ban. All the recent stuff I'm like less willing to unban. We've tried those with modern day cards and they weren't great. So Uro, debatable, uh, but I could keep it on the ban list. Um, there's an argument against Summer Bloom. I, yeah. Part of me feels like Summer Bloom was banned from the deck in an era where like, at, like some of the tournament results from it were tinted by people cheating. So I'm a little wary on how problematic yeah. it is. Um, and every other card... I brought up, I think would be fine to unban all at once with yes, Dark Depths like Angle it. being, yeah, yeah. I like I'm, your I'm list. It's ballsy. It's uh, it's very aggressive. I think it's someone in the comments. Cool. If you can please go listen to that and rewrite out 
or Rick, I mean, you could was, just look on a very, list was, next to us was, as you edited it. Just have all of those cards in front as a screenshot. Uh, and Renee, if you can post that list on TikTok, thank you. Uh, all right. <laughs> it was very intense. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think we have sort of exhausted our conversation now about like, what do we think should or shouldn't be accepted in the current I have my number state? Three. I have my number three. We didn't get the third thing. The third thing that I think is hurting card values across the board. Oh, yeah, please, please go for it. Standard and tournament play being non-existent. I think the fact that standard currently is the least played format it's ever been. And I think the fact that there is no tournament organization, which I think would help standard significantly in a significant way, is bad. Uh, I think that every single command fest should have a PTQ level event at it uh, just immediately. I think there's... No reason they don't. Uh, and those events are happening now on a quarterly basis. And you can have five PTQs at all. Just if you win that event, you go to you know single day, first day of the event, there's a tournament happening on the side. All of them should have a PTQ. They don't have to be Grand Prix level. It's not like a full top eight goes into a pro tour. It's not a two day event. It's a one day PTQ cap at have a cap. You know, you sign up ahead of time, 500 players or whatever. So it doesn't go to two days. PTQ should exist at one of those events. There should be a uh, pro point system that's brought back. Uh, LGSs should be involved in this process, and they should get their own PTQ system that is feeding into these pro tour events as well, which I do believe a version of that is happening to start or starting to happen. And we should bring seasons back where there's a modern one, a standard one, a pioneer one, and some other version. And I think that that a commitment from wizards at that level, I don't think costs them too much more than they're already spending on these events to bring back tournament play in a real way. And I think that would be better and standard would be played more to be honest. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's fair. I feel like it's a reasonable Sweeping changes, Ben bring <laughs> grand prix back. Bring, <laughs> unban every card in modern. Um, and uh, my last hot take is that spot, uh, Ravnica remastered, Top Store remastered, and the like remastered sets, not master sets, remastered sets should be standard legal. That's my like last hot standard take. You want remastered sets in general to be standard legal? Yeah, have them come out in the summer, have them be like a core set, have them like maybe rotate faster, but like. Wouldn't it be sick if like Time Spot Remastered was standard legal and you could play Karmagoyf in standard again? Like, if no one wants to play standard, right? If the problem right now is no one wants to play it, isn't it an easy way to get people on play it by printing cool cards they love into that format that they can't play into modern anymore? It's a fair That'd point. Make me more excited. I mean, if like Liliana the Veil and Snapcaster Mage and Lingering Souls were brought back in the standard, you know how quick I would be playing standard again on burial rights like if they did an innistrad remastered into standard and we had innistrad cards from shadow of innistrad and original innistrad and all those back like right after they do that new horror set they're doing so there's already other cool graveyard synergies in the block and now i get to play old innistrad cards with these new cards as a standard format that sounds so much sicker than whatever we're doing now i don't hate it do you, want, do you want more hot takes, Ben? <laughs> just keep <laughs> all the hot takes, Cass. Like, Come on, it's, it's like... almost midnight, and I can see the tiredness in your eyes. And I'm just end of the podcast, heater after heater. I can do an entire episode just about that. Give me just heater after heater. I mean, come on. I, does this sound bad to you? Does the universe I've described to you? Sound no, bad? 
It sounds so good, man. I mean, like, <laughs> no serialized cards. Uh, this is this. You know, serialized cards because of this. I guess, I guess, last hot take going back to that. Uh, secret layers only. I actually like the Viscera serialized cards. I like like the secret layer, secret card. That's where you can put serialized cards, and they shouldn't be in in in, in booster product. That one's a milder take. So it's fair. I, 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 I'm not going to argue against like, like viscera seer in like the come this like this like not like a thing I have to what argue against. With something. <laughs> I mean, come on! Like, I tell don't me, care. Tell me that. that you need dark depths on banned and modern, then you disagree with me. <laughs> so I want like just like 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 dual lands reprinted in modern. Like, come on! Like, let's just get that going. <laughs> that sounds terrible but yeah <laughs> all right all right thank you so much everyone uh it's been an awesome cast uh i am your host alex kessler make sure to follow me at kess wiley on all social media out there make sure to follow ben at ben bateman media on everything make sure to follow um all of the things there's links below for cool stuff to do uh and uh, let us know if you want full episodes on any of those last hot takes uh i'll also probably be making 10 minute tiktok videos about each of them uh to supplement this podcast and advertise it we love all of you and we'll talk to you Bye, guys. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media. Sending podcasts into the future.